Awesome to be here with y'all. So cool to, I don't know, did Lee go out? There she, okay. You'll be back soon. You'll be back soon. Um, we're in a series that we're calling Great Prayers. So we're looking at conversations that people in the scripture have with God when they speak to him. And what does that look like? And how do we do that? We're always, that's always something we struggle with. Am I doing this well? Am I just, uh, am I failing in my prayer? Am I succeeding in that? What, what does that look like? And so we wanted to answer that question by looking at some of the greats of the Bible and some of the, you know, the, the smallest people, smallest characters, or at least no well-known characters, and then and see what, how they talked to our God. Well, today we're going to talk, we're going to see a, a a prayer from a pretty important person in the scripture, and that's Jesus. Uh, and, and the thing about this prayer, it's a little bit different, is that we're not going to see as much about how to pray, but more about what he prays for and how that impacts us. So uh, we'll turn there in just a minute, but it's in John uh, 17, if you want to head that way. A few years ago, um, well, a long time ago, I saw the movie Toy Story. I loved that when it came out. You know, it was like 1995. 1995 was Toy Story. Didn't I see, see that when it came out, like, you're that old? I know a lot of you are that old. It was an awesome movie. And uh, so, you know, we were the parent. We just had our first son, and we bought, like, you know, the, the Buzz Lightyear guy. Some of you all probably, we still have it somewhere. And Taylor, my son, would fly that around the house and push the buttons, you know, and all that. It was really fun. And, um, so a few years ago, we, Claire and I were with some friends, and they're like, we need to watch Toy Story 3, because it had just come out and, on DVD or something. We're like, oh, we haven't seen it, so we'll watch it. Well, Toy Story 3 is uh, when the little boy, Andy, in the first one, has grown up, and he's 17, and he's about to go to college. So, uh, you know, we're like, oh, yeah, great. So we're, we're watching it. It starts off, you know, and, and the toys are sad because he's, uh, he's going to leave, right? And they're afraid they're going to be put in the attic and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, we're watching the movie, we're laughing, everything's fine. About the last 10 minutes, we're sitting there, we're all in, the, in, the, in our, you know, living area watching the TV, and I, I am bawling like tears out of my eyes. And I've told you all before, I don't, I don't do things that make me cry. If I'm going to cry, that's okay. That's okay. If I'm there and it happens, it's fine. So my, my buddy looks over and he goes, are you bawling? It's like, I am, I am. Because there's the last scene, the little boy, Andy, he's 17 now, same age as my son, is leaving and he's giving his toys to this little girl, Bonnie, in the movie, you know. And he's saying, who is it? Bonnie? She knows who that is. Thank you. Yeah, so he gives, he gives them to Bonnie and Bonnie loves him and he's going to take care of him and then he goes off to college. I'm like, oh. you know, I, I just wasn't prepared for what was going to happen to me. So if you have a kid leaving for college, do not watch Toy Story 3. <laughs> I, I will probably never watch that movie again and certainly not this year when, when Michael leaves. Not a chance. There, so life is full of these times in, where we are... Uh, these transitions of relationship where we're sending people off out of our lives. Or, or there's, there's transition where we take a new responsibility, things like that. Th- things change in life, just like was prayed a little bit earlier. And we're sending Lee off to a new era in her life. There are these breaks that happen. Jesus' prayer is at one of those very emotional moments, maybe the most emotional uh, farewell of all time. And that's at the Last Supper. He's saying goodbye to his disciples. 
his followers. And when he does that, he, in, in John, from about 14 through 17, he's just teaching them like crazy. And he's washed their feet. And all of that story is in there. This amazing delivery of information to them that they need. But it's hard to, it's hard to grasp the situation that Jesus was in emotionally when that's happening. The, when you read that story, you think about the loneliness, the isolation that he felt, the fact that his disciples, those close followers, don't even, they're not even aware. They're like, what? what what's going on? They're, they're almost completely oblivious to what he's been telling them. In fact, it's important, I think, for us to really get in touch with the emotion of the situation, especially on Jesus' part, as we think about the prayer that he prays here at the end of that time with them. He, uh, they've come into Jerusalem they're like, you guys are the bomb. You know, the, the whole thing, the palm leaves, the whole thing, they're excited. And it goes from this excitement. And I'm sure the disciples are like, yep, we're with him. Everything is great. We've hooked our wagon to the right person. This is going to be awesome. Well, then they get to the Passover meal and Jesus is like different, right? Why? Because they're oblivious, right? They're just oblivious to this thing. Even though he said, we're going to Jerusalem so I can die. He, they just don't seem to get it. And can you just put yourself in Jesus' human shoes for a minute? You're about to do this amazing act of sacrifice for these people, for all people, and a very lonely thing. And your best friends are like, pass the beef, you know, pass the wine, pass the, you know, just like they're just at a meal, right? And he, they completely miss it. And so he tries to initiate these things with them, this last supper. He tries to make, make them feel... Im- uh, a different thing, and he's, he's communicating all of this very important stuff. That's the, that's the scenario that he's in. But there's something else that is very important that's happening besides the emotional transition, the handoff to the disciples. He wants them to, he's praying for them before God as they move into the next stage of their life. But here's where I think it ties into us immediately right now. And, that, and that's something that I've noticed about this body, the people, you people that are in this room right now, if you're a believer in this room, which I think most of you are today, um, you aren't, you are here because you want to grow up in Jesus. You're here on purpose. You're not here because it's the thing to do. You didn't just get up and not go do the fun thing out in the woods or, or go ride your bike or whatever, just because everybody else is doing it. You came here because you want to grow. You want to mature in Jesus. I firmly believe that. And so it's a real privilege to be able to talk with you and and engage with each of us. All of us are in different places in that process. But we are all, we desire in this church to grow up in Jesus. Would you agree with me? I really think that's true. I think in a lot of churches all around the country, right now there are people that are there just because that's what they do. You're not that. And so it's a privilege to be with you. And this is the situation that Jesus is entering into with his close followers. And this prayer he prays definitely applies to us, those of us who want to grow up in Jesus and stop being at home and being fed by our mom and just, you know, it, it, having our clothes washed and everything, just receiving stuff. We actually want to engage and be a part of what Jesus is doing. So I don't think you'd be here if that wasn't you. And this is a prayer that is asking God to engage and mature his followers. And that's us. So when, when you're listening to this, I think there's four points I'm going to share with you, but at any one of those points, 
It may be a place where you can step off and go, okay, that's the place where God is calling me, speaking in my life. I've been aware of it, where there has got to be a change in maturity. I cannot stay where I am in this place. So it's more than a farewell. It is that emotional thing. We have to get that context, but then it is this additional thing where uh, he is calling on God to help his followers mature, to grow up in him. So that's where we're heading with that. Let's, uh, let's read the passage. We're just going to read about the third quarter of it because there's a bunch. There's so much in there. It, it, I would really encourage you, go back in your time with God in the coming weeks and just read through the whole prayer. It's, it's just amazing. But in John 13, John 17, verse 13. But now I am coming to you, O God, Father, in these things I speak. Speak in the world that my followers, they, my followers, may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Think about the context as we're reading through this. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Okay, this is a powerful prayer. We just looked at this little piece of it. So we're going we're gonna to look at what Jesus prayed for And then I want to just really challenge you, like I said, to jump off and think about what it means for you in terms of growing in your maturity in Jesus. Okay, so the first one is he prays that they will be filled, filled with joy. So there's a prayer for filling. The second one is that they would be protected. The third is that they would be sanctified. And the fourth is that they're sent. And I've said they, he's speaking to uh, over his disciples, but those all are for us. Filled, protected, sanctified, and sent. So let's talk about that idea of, of being filled for just a minute. The, the word is used different ways. It, he says, uh, uh, fill them, which you, you get the idea, but he, it also is fulfill. So that's really easy for us to picture, fulfill. I mean, it's not just filled, but fulfilled, Right? So here's the thing that Jesus is praying over his disciples. He's saying, there is joy in being a mature follower of me that they have not accessed. We have not accessed. There is joy in following Jesus. And he wants them to hear that. Look at, let's read 13 again. I'm coming to you, Father, and these things I speak into the world. I'm saying this. These are the words that are going out from me. That they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. It's his joy. Now, 
you know, think about how ironic this is. Jesus is praying, and I, I, I appreciate uh, Roz. Where is Roz? I know Sarah in here today. Roz sent me a, a, a photo of a sculpture that she did uh, when she found out that I was going to speak on this passage, and it's it's a picture of Jesus. It's a it, it's a picture of her sculpture of Jesus when he is praying this prayer, and I think it's it has to do with that joyful side. And I'm guessing for you, he's when he says, "Give them my joy," because this prayer has lots of ups and downs in it. But Jesus' joy is that is the focus of of the sculpture, which I, I loved, and I really appreciate you sending me that. Uh, there is a joy that is in Jesus that cannot be known outside of being a believer and outside of following him. Uh, because here is the thing. Jesus, if he is the creator of all things, which he mentions in this, in this prayer later on, is the creator of joy. And if you've ever tasted joy, if you've ever felt something you thought was really awesome, really good, really wholesome, the best of the best, but that was only a shadow of what he has created for us to experience. Because this world is broken. We're only seeing it like in a mirror and dimly, right? Anybody experienced a really good time ever? Like I think back to like roller skating. They had four wheels on each in a little bumper stopper thing. I know you know what I'm talking about. These really exist. Those were good times in seventh grade. <laughs> you know, there are moments that we can picture this was joy. Like, that's not thinking about anything else. I love this. You know, God, through Jesus, is the creator of all things that are good and beautiful. Okay? So when we taste those things, we're getting just a taste of the joy that is possible. He is the originator. And we're not just talking about, uh, we're not just talking about uh, joy like, I'm pretty happy. We're talking about happiness. We're talking about joy. Okay? What's that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kevin's already on powder out there. He's already going under the rope in his mind. I just read this article my daughter sent me that... Uh, that was uh, from from her, one of her classes, and it and it said, Christians, blah blah blah, and they've created this situation where people have to uh, work to be good enough so that they can enter heaven. Well, that person who wrote that wrote it because that's what they got from Christians, right? They didn't make it up. Now, Christ, people who don't know Jesus are going to misunderstand what we believe. So just count on that. That's what I wrote her. I said, Sarah, you know, baby. People are going to misunderstand. But the truth is, and you know it, we don't earn anything. We don't make it right. We don't fix it. We don't get right with God and then enter heaven. It's because of Jesus. And I said, you can't convince anybody that. You just got to live it. You just got to know. And the fact is that that was like, it just sucked the joy right out of my faith of following Jesus. It was like, yeah, if you follow Jesus, you just get in a place where you get to earn stuff and try to show off for somebody. That's not true. Joy is irrespective of that. God provides joy and, and people can experience aspects of it. But one of the things we need to understand, I think, as Christians, is sometimes if you've been around the church for very long, it's, it's often joy is this thing called contentment where we're, um, 
We're always stuck in this no man's land of really trying and wanting to feel a joy and kind of sensing that and also just being miserable because things are hard, right? We've all heard, and we all experience that, and that is true. But the thing is, the joy that Jesus is talking about, especially in the context, is not this place where I just hope they can stay and, you know, kind of moderately happy through all this. Joy is, yeah, suffering and joy pass each other all the time, right? But as a believer, y'all, what Jesus is praying for, what they haven't experienced, what we need to experience, what we need to choose to experience is that there is joy that is in Jesus that is far above what we can ever imagine. And, and that is real. That ha- and that's happiness. That's true happiness. That's that roller skating feeling that I'm talking about. And sometimes it's going to get taken over. And that's a lot of life because we live in a broken world. And sometimes it's going to be like totally, and we got to hold them both, and go with it. But we should always be expecting this thing. This is what Jesus, the Son of God, is praying for, for the follower, his followers. We're not in a no man's land. Uh, this is something that Jesus returns to in this prayer several times. But one of the key things he says, is, if you want to know the joy that I have, then it is related to how well you know my word. He'll say, I've given them my word. I've spoken this word into the world. I've spoken this. I've said this. And I've taught them your word. We're going to see that in just a minute. And it's throughout the whole prayer. So when, if we want, if there's something practical we can do in application of this, it's to fill ourselves up with the word of God. I use my, my phone and my app and my computer all the time. This is my Bible, though. You know, this is this thing that is so incredibly important. I had this weird thing uh, that I do if, like, somebody gives me a nice note and I, or I think it's going to be nice, you know, pretty positive it is. I'll, like, save it. Like, I'll, I'll keep it forever. I have this, this I found. This is a note from my daughter, Sarah. It's, she gave it to me when she left. I have not read it yet. This is, like, eight weeks ago, right? Still sitting here, I know. But it's like this little treasure I got, Right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's like, Daddy, can you send me a hundred bucks? That's what this is. That's what this is. But I keep it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to open it. I just told you about that Toy Story deal. I'm not doing that. This word, we can return to, this is a little note. We can return to this word again and again. And it's this love note that's been passed down for years and years and years. And we return to it. When we return to it and go deep in it, that is the most practical starting point for finding joy in Jesus. Okay? So Jesus, he says it right here. And you know, I was thinking, well, okay, maybe I can illustrate this. Like, you know, he says fulfilled, like filled to the top. So here's, a, here's you or you. Here's Jesus' joy, right? So we fill it up. I'm gonna, I am, yes, going to spill this a little bit. But we're going to get new carpet. <laughs> Pretty sure Jesus is capable of filling up my little cup. Is this like a re- respective of me and Jesus, right? Sort of. I think maybe more accurate. I found, be like, maybe I'm more like this big. <laughs> and maybe, I don't know. So if that, I mean, pretty sure if Jesus is a creator of joy, I don't know. And and maybe, I mean, I don't know. 
Some of y'all are pretty great. You might be this big. Okay, what does it take? Right? Not much. Yeah. You understand what I'm trying to say? I'm going to give you some homework. We, we can be filled up with this, with the word of Jesus. This is alive, it's living, and it will fill us. I'm spending most of my time on this first point, but maturity in Jesus means that we know that that is the place that joy comes from. There is real joy. It is possible, even in the midst of the most trying circumstances possible. In that, Jesus is actually praying for joy. What in the world? There was no more, you don't have a situation that was worse than that one. You have bad ones. I know you have suffering, but you don't have that. So he prays that we would be filled, that his followers would be filled with, not just filled, but filled with his joy. Then he says, Lord, protect them. Uh, The word he uses in the translation I read is he says, keep them. Uh, And some, you may have a version that says, protect them. Uh, Verse 14. I have given them your word, and the word has hated the, the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I don't ask that you take them out. Did you catch that? I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. So, a couple of threats. This, the idea of keeping meant uh, basically to build a wall around. You're gonna. I'm gonna need you to protect, like shelter them, like put them in a place and. And, and build this wall around them because the hard times are going to come. Uh, the, uh, the, there was a real spiritual threat for these people. Uh, one thing I think we need to realize theologically is when he talks about Satan the, or the evil one, well, Satan is not, a lot of times we give Satan omnipresent and omnipotent features. No. Satan is not capable of being everywhere at one time. He is localized, Okay. So he is going to apply pressure to the most important places possible. That doesn't mean there isn't a spiritual thing going on that we are not dealing with all the time. But Satan himself, where else would he want to be than on top of those 11 guys? Okay? That's some serious pressure, right? And Jesus says, God, protect them. Keep them from him. They are going to feel intense pressure, an intense spiritual threat. We have not only the spiritual world that's drawing us away, and, and we know that, that Satan has, has guided our Western world in just a crazy way. That he doesn't really even have to be around because we are so tempted by everything antithetical to following Jesus. We have our own sin nature that takes us off in all kinds of directions. We have, so when Jesus prays, he is praying that we would be able to withstand those threats uh, but there's a, a, beyond a spiritual threat, there is the physical rejection, the practical hatred of people towards people who follow him. He says, you're going to be misunderstood, persecuted, hurt. Your emotions are going to be beat up. Things are going to be hard because you follow me. But I read this, this uh, quote, and I, I don't know where it came from, whose, uh, whose voice it came from, but he said, something is wrong when our lives make sense to people who don't believe. Okay. And when people don't understand something, they don't like it. And, and when I say they, I mean you and me. 
We don't understand something. We're like, oh, no, wait, that can't be right because I'm right. Isn't that the story of our culture? Hatred or being despised or shunned or or put, all of those things are very real then, very real now. I I remember when I was a, a kid, uh, I had some bad friends, so I'll just say. They, they, we did things that we should never have done. And one time I happened to be with my family, visiting my grandmother, all things, when they got in a ton of trouble and they, did some, they vandalized some stuff and I couldn't believe what they did. I was so thankful. I don't know what I would have done if I had been with them. And when that happened, my parents were like, I think you can't hang out with them anymore. Which is a terribly hard decision because these are got the, my friends that lived in my neighborhood, like right there. And this was the beginning of me moving towards following Jesus, right about that time in my life. And man, it, it was very much misunderstood by parents, by kids. I mean, I remember one specific thing. I was going down the road and I was by myself and here comes all those guys on their bikes. And I had to be separate from them. I cared about them. They were my friends, but I couldn't hang out with them because of what was happening to me in that space, Right? And, and God had arranged for a situation to move me towards Jesus at that moment. And that was misunderstood by my friends and by my friends' families. And, and, and understandably so, right? But here, here is the thing that I think is so important about that. is If we're going to be rejected for following Jesus, for making hard decisions, let's make sure, believers, that we're rejected because we're following Jesus, not because we're judging other people. There's a huge difference. If they want to reject me because I'm trying to follow Jesus, this is what I'm trying to do. Let's make sure that at least that's the truth and not because I'm judging somebody else because they're gay or they have this thing, they they smoke weed or they, I don't know what we judge about in our town. You, You can name it. You know, they don't like me, so I don't like them. Whatever their thing is, y'all, we need to be rejected because we love Jesus. That needs to be what we're convicted of. So, uh, be rejected because you follow Jesus. And then, just remember, Jesus says, don't take them out of the world, God. Let them go through this. It's part of the thing. We have to persevere. He's calling us to persevere through all kinds of trial. But because we're following Jesus, so persevere. So that that's protect. And then, We're going to get a little shorter towards the end here. Sanctify them. Verse 17, he says, Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. To sanctify means to set apart. Set them apart, God, by your word. And we're thinking about his word, obviously, here this morning. When uh, I got a lot of stories this morning. Uh, When Claire and I got married, just before it, we picked out some china. And people used to pick out china when they were getting married back in the previous century. <laughs> and I remember I thought, I'm going to have some input in this because I'm going to be eating off these things, right? This was the fine china. So I'm like, yeah. So Claire says, I want your input. Like, I, so I'm thinking probably I have something to, of value to offer. Yeah. Yeah. I know my friend Tom and I agree. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> she, so I say this and she goes, now we're getting this one. And that was it. And now we have this china. We've been married 26 years and we've never used it one time. <laughs> it's true. It is set apart. <laughs> okay. I cannot touch it. 
I can barely look. I can barely allowed to look at it. And it's in this, you know, some of it's out in this glass cabinet. If you come over, you'll see it and you'll know what that is now. But uh, we don't touch it. Um, but here's the deal. We are set apart by Jesus to be useful, not to just get fed or to hide in the glass cabinet or not be t- touched, right? China is one thing. Followers of Jesus are different. And that's where I was challenging you guys. I think you all want to grow. I think all of us want to progress in our faith. Oh my gosh, we don't want to stay where we were. We want to grow. We want to have an impact for Jesus in our world and our community, which we can. And that means that we are set apart, sanctified, made right before God. But by the way, the plate thing works because as believers, we're going to get dirty. We're going to make mistakes, but we're still just as valuable to God. We're always just as valuable as the most valuable thing. We're bought with a price of Jesus' life, right? So we're set aside, but we're set aside to be used. And it's okay if, if dirt happens in that process, things happen. But again, he says, he says it's, the, it's my word, it's your word that I gave them. It's word that, his word that he gives us that is the thing that makes us set apart. Um, I saw Darlene come in just a minute ago somewhere. Dar, Darlene and I bumped into each other and she's, she's a counselor here. And she's really focused right now on helping people to put the right things in their body that helps the chemistry in their body change and, and moves. She's seen dramatic results in this, this, her counseling because people have changed the, what they're eating, right? I don't, I don't need to tell you that it matters what you eat, right? It matters what you put in. But she's seen unbelievable changes with people because first changing how they're eating and then in the process working through what's going on in their hearts and their heads. What we put in really matters. And so let's put the word of God in to bring that change in maturity. I mean, that's, again, the same application as before. To be sanctified, we go to the word. And then finally, Jesus said we're sent. He prays that they will be sent. Look at uh, verse 18. As you, look at, this is a cool legacy that we have. As you sent me, I send them. Part of the team. God, Jesus, and his church. That's a pretty cool thing. Uh, some of y'all may know Courtney Kirby. She leads our young life here our whole, in the whole uh, valley. She's our director. And one of the things I love, a couple times she's prayed this up here, and I've heard her teach it to her leadership. And it's this that, uh, she, let me think, think how she says that. Um, she talks about how Jesus is pursuing his people. He is pursuing. He came out of heaven, put on the flesh of man, pursued people where they were. He was sent out of heaven and put in human flesh to engage the world, to draw them to, to God, right? That is the same model that we see for uh, a young life leader. One of our young life leaders is sent into the community of youth, goes where they go, does what they do, lives, hangs out with them, and introduces them to the God of the universe in the process. Well, it's not just young life leaders who are needed. You don't t- have to take an official role to be sent. And so I'll, I'll tell you this. If you're, if you're like, I'm kind of bummed out in my Christian life. I don't know what's going on. You know, the one thing you can do that I can almost guarantee you will turn things upside down for you is to say, I'm going to act as if I am sent, which I am. And I'm going to be like Jesus and go in and care for people that I... That, that need the truth, lost people, people who don't know who Jesus is. I'm sent to them to be with them, to engage with them. 
I think there's a, a real important nuance there is that in our community, especially in probably any community, there are places where we can be too influenced by the people we're trying to reach. Okay? There is a barrier there, just like it was for me when I was a kid. I wasn't capable of saying no to my friends, so I had to totally stop that. I'm not suggesting you go anywhere and do anything to get... Jesus can do that, but I don't know if that's us. But we are sent into our communities where we can care for other people, love them, feed them, nurture, whatever we need to do, and bring them the love of Christ, the goodness of the gospel. So we are sent. He's praying that they will know that they are sent so that, he says, through their words, the world will come to know that I'm the Son of God. It means our words, so it goes from Jesus' words, he speaks, the word of God, and then our words matter to the people we're sent to. All this is like in this little passage. We're only looking at a couple of verses. Lost people matter to God, and so they matter to us. So, be filled with the joy of Christ. Be protected, but persevere. Be sanctified, but be useful. And be sent. Understand, these are the things that a mature believer in Christ moves into. So if you are, if there's a way to, that you can step in further with Jesus in one of those places, I just encourage you. God, I, I thank you for my friends. We, uh, we want to walk with you. And Lord, we confess, I mean, we are stuck. We're so focused on other things. I don't know what it is, but um, let the words that Jesus prayed over his disciples be the ones that we hear him praying over us. And may you fill us with the joy created when in the relationship you have with him. Let us be filled with that and then step out from there. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, y'all have a great afternoon.